Do you breathe purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 94.3thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. All right, welcome in. Hoist the Colors on a Wednesday, January 31st edition of the show. It is our last show of January before February gets here. Valentine's Day will be here before we know it. That reminds me, I need to get a present of some sort for Erica, my wife, so we'll have to work on that. Bobby Harward is in studio today. Philip Pilkington is behind the glass. Bobby, how's it going? It's going good. I also have to get a present. I found out yesterday that my wife had gotten me something. We haven't done presents in years together. For Valentine's Day? For Valentine's Day, yeah. And she was like, yeah, I got you some things. And I was like, oh, shoot. That's never, like, especially if you take a few years off of, like, getting a gift, then you got to get back into that mode of, like, trying to get your wife gifts. Because you know as well as anybody, like, once you have kids, it's always like, we'll just put it on the back burner. Right. And focus, save our money do that sort of thing but then it's like now the pressure's on again right yeah no i'm glad she said something because otherwise that would have been a really bad look um i i do kind of focus it right now i have two daughters now but for you know the last four years i've had just one daughter and i normally take her out to dinner and we're doing a dinner and a daddy excuse me daddy daughter dance um in winterville next friday so that will be fun i'm looking forward to that fun times and you were at minji's coliseum on sunday with your son daker and i got a chance to see you sitting behind the goal so uh how did it was i'm not gonna lie it was probably the it's probably the worst atmosphere of the season there were no students there i guess everybody's watching the championship game but ecu does pull it out over Temple, but uh, what did you think of, of Sunday's game for the Pirates? Yeah, that was a, a last-minute decision for us. I know I told you last Wednesday I would be uh, – we had some church events, but some of that illness crud kind of passed through our family, so yeah. both of our daughters got some crud, so we could not take them to the church. I took Daker, who is probably the biggest ECU basketball fan, to the game. And, uh, yeah, he enjoyed it. It was cool. He's able to now follow the basketball goal going or the basketball going into the hoop, which is really cool to hear him cheer. But in, in terms of how the game went, I was shocked that they were able to pull it out. I was very glad that they pulled it out because that would have been pr- probably up there with one of the worst losses on the season. Um, but yeah, it's just I don't know the the lineups look funky at times. It's almost like. You know, I can see Schwartz getting kind of pissed at guys and just yanking them, which is, you know, not uncommon. But it, with the lack of depth that we have, it's kind of hard to uh, get some production And when those starters or those, you know, big three or four are not producing. Yeah, there was a point in that in that second half, which I uh, – look, it was it was bad basketball. I mean, it was bad. I uh, there, there was a stretch. There was also a stretch where I think he got disgusted and he went with – there was a point where it was Caleb account, Valentino Pinedo, and Bensal Vungo. Was they were all on the court at the same time. One of those guys had just gotten there two days ago. He had had two days of practice. Uh, LeCount had not played at all against uh, in the previous game against Wichita. That was his first minutes. And then Val Pinedo, we've talked about him a lot on the show. But I will give Val and Caleb credit. I think they both scored in that stretch. Yeah. I mean, during the game, we had two guys come in that didn't even have the correct stitching on the back of their jersey. I oh mean, that's gosh. that shows Which we got to talk about that. That, that is uh, just embarrassing. I, I know the people at ECU are doing everything they can, so I think that falls more on Adidas overall. But it's just... 
I mean, when you look and you see everybody else with a normal stitch and then this massive, just like... Just tape. <laughs> upward basketball tape on the back of the jersey. It's not a good look. Yeah, Logan Bourgeois, he also played walk-on from France. So my understanding is ECU has been told by the apparel company Adidas that it'll be any day now when Logan's jersey gets in, but that it's been that way for like months now. So... Uh, and now Vungo, which his is a little more excusable because he just got here. He just enrolled. But to have two guys playing in a conference game with tape on the back of their jerseys, it, it's honestly kind of embarrassing. And more so, from my understanding, from Adidas because they're the ones kind of not getting the job done. But uh, that's my understanding. The other thing, too, we've talked a lot about jerseys on the show. I think they want to wear gold at home. The gold pirate script, but their undershirts don't match. So something about NCAA rules or something, they can't wear it. That's an, another miss by Adidas. It's it's amazing how many times they miss, but yet at the same time, how much better that deal is than Nike right. was. It, it's just it's crazy to think about. I I'm just so tired of them wearing the black on the road. Like wear purple. You have the purple uniform. It's probably if not the best, definitely in the top two. And you're just wearing those black. I don't know. They just look bad to me. It's the the font is completely different because it's just east on the on top of the number Carolina. Yep. I don't think the jersey is bad itself, but it's not. You know, every other jersey you have is the pirate script, right? And so then you have the regular East Carolina. I feel like if it was black with the pirate script, it would look pretty sweet, right? I, I think so. Um, I or, was talking with, with somebody the other day too. They need to go at some point, probably not mid season, but after the season, redo the mid court and make mm. it the pirate script. Oh, that would be nice. You think, I like you think that. They should roll yeah. that route. I think so. I think everything in athletics needs to start the rolling script. back to the pirate script and. And, and I do want to preface with saying the the black jerseys or step back to the black jerseys. Wearing them two or three times is not a, like I think that's what they're meant for. Right. But they're, every road game. Right. Every road game is a little like I actually get angry when I turn on the television and see the black jerseys. So that's kind of where I'm at now. I'm a big jersey nut and probably way more obsessed with jerseys than I should be. But but hey, it's part of it. I mean. Yeah. We, we're going to have a whole show one time on off-season uniform. What do you think, Philip? behind the glass? We got the uh, producer cam set up today. What is ECU's best basketball uniform, and do you agree that the black unis on the road is getting kind of stale? Oh, it definitely is. Like I like the black, to Bobby's point, maybe two, three times a year, but like that's how every other team does it. You know, like growing up a Duke fan, and like they wear black like twice throughout the whole year. Like that's cool. Um, as far as best jerseys, I don't see the problem is I've been producing so much over the last few years. I feel like I don't even watch them that often. I always get stuck in the production room. So whether it be TV or in person, but um, you will be there I do, tonight. I will be there tonight. I like the gold. I really do. I wish you know the NCAA didn't have their stupid undershirt rule, or we could just get gold undershirts, or just don't. It can't wear be undershirts. that hard to wear matching undershirts. I guess it's just such a unique color. Maybe they don't offer that. But then, if you're offering a set in jerseys, and you know the NCAA's got whack rules, just do it. Just make it special for us. There's probably other gold Adidas teams. There's got to be. Like, come on. So I don't know. I'm, I'm going to go the gold though. Uh, I am a big fan of gold as well. Wish they could find a way to make that work. Uh, Newton Smith on YouTube says purple should be mandatory and black as a special purpose uniform. I agree with that. Russ Walker says, good afternoon, Stephen Eyebrows Igloo. I enjoy your show. Uh, thanks, uh, thanks, Russ. Uh, Jack says, I go with the reverse jinx. What did I jinx? 
was that something from the Temple game? I did tweet out at one point that it was, I think I tweeted out that it was like a lifeless offensive performance, which it was. Yeah. And then ECU ended up rallying because of his defense. Um, I don't know. Let me know, Jack, what I what I jinxed or am going to jinx. Russ says, who is our best starting five? We'll talk about this. I, I feel like, I kind of like the direction Schwartz has gone recently where they're starting the games big, Bobby, with Jaden Walker at the point and Sierra Malong at the five. And that way, to me, you just get more impact off the bench with Pettiford and Cam Hayes. Like Almost when you go Hayes and Pettiford in the starting lineup, it's too scoring focused. I don't know. I kind of like them going with the direction they have. What about you? Yeah, I honestly had not seen the start of the last few games up until that Temple game, so I was a little surprised to see Pettiford and Hayes come off the bench, and honestly... Hayes didn't get a ton of playing yeah, time like on, on Sunday. Yeah, so um, to answer the question of the best five, I mean, R.J. Felton's obvious up there. I like Pettiford running the point. You know, that R.J. and Pettiford are pretty interchangeable. Um, Brandon Johnson, Ezra. I'm missing somebody. And then you kind of go, do you want to go with like Hayes or Walker, or do you want to go big with Sear? In the, you know, Because you can kind of go either direction there. Yeah, I, I'm going to go Jaden Walker. I know he didn't have a great game, and there were a few instances where Schwartz kind of lost it on him uh, defensively there at the end. But uh, I think right now, just with his experience, and you know, he can guard multiple positions on the floor where Sear is kind of – pretty isolated i am excited about the future of sear i'm glad they're starting to you know put him into the lineup and allow him to get some playing time get some experience especially early early in the games too i think it's important so i i think he has already made a ton of progress from what we saw in november but i I think he could end up being a pretty good player for us year five is what they ended the game with and what they've i think ended the game with the last few times out um with because they've had Pettiford and Walker on at the same time, which I kind of like. And again, I, I like Cam Hayes, but you know, the, when he's not hitting his shot, I, 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 you know, might as well just go Walker because defensively he brings more length, kind of versatility there. Yeah, and Hayes hasn't honestly his shot has not been on no. a lot, so I, you wonder kind of what's going on there. Um, this is. Not the player I expected coming from LSU, and I, I'm wondering if there's some other things going on. Obviously, there was a lot of, you know, drama and stuff revolving around, you know, being eligible, ineligible. Like I'm sure that t- takes a toll on you mentally. But um, I just thought we'd see a little bit more from him offensively. I tell you what, Bobby Pettiford is a lot more explosive than I thought he he's was. Talented, man. yeah, he can jump. I mean, he gets up there, and 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 he's he's a lot better than what I expected. You know trying to be somewhat optimistic with, the, with pirate basketball. They um, want, they, you know, Schwartz has talked a lot. They want him to be more aggressive offensively because to me, like he can get to the rim and finish, but a lot of times he'll drive in, make a nice drive, and he'll try to hit that little pull up. Mm-hmm. And I almost think he's better if he just puts his head down and tries to get to the rim because he can elevate over guys. I mean, he's had dunks. He's had strong finishes. And, you know, he doesn't really get to the free throw line because, to me, he doesn't seek out the contact. And I think if he embraced that a little more, he could do it. But I think when he when he scores, Bobby, like, ECU usually wins. That's what I've noticed. Yeah, yeah. And you, speaking of guys who have dropped off a little bit is Ezra. I, th- yeah. I feel like just like, I don't know, he's obviously not the best rebounder in the world, but I thought he – 
uh, one of his focal points in the off off season was developing an outside shot. That doesn't really seem to appear. I like mean, Temple was sagging off five feet, right? From him. And you know, I know there's a lot of mention maybe after the season him hitting the transfer portal, but I don't know if the attention will quite be there like it was at the end of last season. Um, I'm I'm curious, Brandon Johnson. Is I'm a big Brandon Johnson fan. I know he didn't have a great game Sunday, but you know I think he's he's obviously pretty talented. And when his shots going, it's hard to get in his face. He's so long and lengthy. Like when he steps out there at the three point line, it's tough to defend. Ezra on the season is five of eleven from three, which is forty five percent, which is good. But he doesn't really. He did take two two threes last game, and they were. They weren't close, but I almost feel like he overthinks it. Like some of the time he catches the ball in the perimeter and teams are just sagging off and he'll hesitate. Like just shoot it, man. Like you're five of 11, you're almost 50%. Even if he's only a 30% three point shooter, at least if you're taking some threes, you're going to get guys closing out on you. Instead, he just has to then put the ball on the ground. And we know that leads to turnovers because A, he's going so fast, B, Teams know he's trying to get to the paint, so they know how to, to wall up and defend him. But, look, I mean, for ECU to win games like tonight, as we shift focus tonight, you need Ezra, Brandon, RJ, at least two of those guys on top of their game. The Pirates are hosting South Florida, which is one of the surprises in the league tonight, 13-5, and 6-1 and one in the American. They've got a first-year head coach come over from Kennesaw State, and the Bulls really have racked up – recently here a number of wins they didn't start the year good they've had let's see here a six game winning streak then lost at uab as their only conference loss 75 71 and then have won five in a row now they have beaten some pretty weak teams similar to ecu beating up on the the bottom of the league these are their wins in conference play temple rice at memphis was a very good win uh then they beat wichita at home by four at temple to sweep the owls and then beat utsa they hit 18 three-pointers on Sunday, Bobby. So, uh, big game tonight, though. ECU is actually favored by two and a half at home against a team that's 6-1 and one in the conference. So, what do you make of that line? <laughs> <laughs> what I make of it is I wish it was March 11th so that we could place right. a bet on it. Uh, yeah, that, that surprises me that they're favored because um, – that that win, I believe it was at Memphis. Yep. I remember watching the end of the game. I can't remember if it went to overtime or not, but there was a foul towards the end, and their big guy, I believe, hits two free throws to kind of, uh, I believe, give them the lead. If um, yeah, I think so. And then they missed their guy. That's Memphis's guy that's made a bunch of buzzard beaters this year. Missed one at the end, um, but yeah, it's kind of I don't know going. Going into the year, you kind of have expected South Florida, we probably split with them, but, you know, they've been rolling with a new coach, so I'm a little concerned. I do think if if ECU can pull this out, it's a a great momentum builder and confidence boost going into, I believe it's Charlotte this weekend. Is that right? Like, that would be a big deal to get this win, have some confidence going into UNC Charlotte, which sounds like it's going to be a really fun atmosphere there. Um, So, I'm hopeful, not quite confident, just hopeful. I think in, in this after or this evening's game, uh, Philip. What do you? What's kind of your handicap on this game? Do you feel like Vegas has it right with ECU favored again? Looking at Southwater's schedule, I don't think good team. Don't get me wrong. I don't think they're as good as maybe their record indicates. But uh, you know, a little surprise. ECU's favored by two and a half. What about you? Yeah, I think to an extent. You know, you mentioned the 
record not being great. This conference is weird because ECU is one of the few teams that seems like in the middle of the conference, right? You kind of got the bottom, and then you've got the top. And unfortunately for South Florida, other than the winner Memphis, they've played a lot of the bottom, so they're tough to judge. But East Carolina is always tough to judge in basketball. I thought we'd come into this one slight dogs just solely because never won three straight conference games, which I know they don't look at that, but as an ECU fan, you kind of have to. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, this is a team who takes care of the basketball really well, less than 11 turnovers per game. It's a team that shoots the rock really well from downtown. And with that being said, if the Pirates can run them off the three-point line early and force a couple live ball turnovers and get easy buckets off of said live ball turnovers, the South Florida team could get really frustrated. A lot of their wins, even their close wins, they were the team leading down the stretch and the other team was chasing. They haven't had a lot of like come-from-behind wins late. So I think if the Pirates can get out to that lead, get them a little frustrated, like I said, those live ball turnovers, especially for a team who's not used to turning the ball over, that could really portray the Pirates forward. However, if that doesn't happen... It's going to be a tough hole to climb out of because they have played really well with the lead. So I am a little surprised that they are favored because normally teams that don't turn the ball over and shoot the three ball well get out to early leads. And with it being a team that doesn't sacrifice the lead very often, I personally would have favored the Bulls in this game. East Carolina, one thing they do do extremely well is they defend the three-point line. They're holding teams to 30% from three-point range. Honestly, guys, the defense and conference play has been really good. And we've talked a lot about how the offense have struggled and when Schwartz came in, it was defense, defense, defense. I mean, they go to Wichita. You hold Wichita to set, uh, to 54. Then you see Wichita a few days later beat SMU and score in the 70s at home. So I feel like they are at least finally finding that defensive identity, Bobby. And so, like, now if you can just get some offense with it, I feel like this team can – I still feel like this team can beat anybody in the American. They can also lose to anybody. Too. Right. That's the issue is you, you feel like it could go one way or the yeah. other. There's no – uh, super confident that you know they can beat up on some of those lesser teams, and, and to me, that's what's going to make the American Conference tournament so fun. I think that's what's going to. I mean, I'm legitimately think that they could go on a run and get hot there if they get on a hot shooting streak. I mean, that's kind of that next step. I've been trying to think of the this program's trajectory, and you know, last year they weren't great. They had some good wins and stuff like that under Shorts, but I kind of do feel like. We're in that range, that weird little range where we're either losing close or we're winning close. Like there really is not a ton of blowouts, and right. you, with the exception of maybe the SMU game, like the point differential is still close. But you, watching the game, you could tell SMU was in control, and so I think that is a good sign on the tra- uh, trajectory of Mike Schwartz's program. And I think it proves like, all right, if they can get shooting the ball like you know they kind of expected into the season i could see them getting to that fifth spot in conference play um you know like they were projected preseason. now granted i believe some of those teams at the top i don't it may be too big of a gap to to make up i know you got the the standings pulled up right yeah. now so fau seven and one charlotte seven and one south florida six and one those are your top three teams pirates will take on charlotte and usf this week uab north texas five and two ECU still plays North Texas on the road towards the end of the season. They're done with UAB. And then the surprise, Memphis has lost three in a row. They're at four and three. SMU's at four and three. The Pirates will play Memphis at home, and then they still have to go to SMU. ECU is in eighth place, four and four. And then you've got Tulane at three and five, Tulsa two and five, UTSA two wins, Wichita, Rice, Temple with one win. So the standings are kind of a jumbled mess, really. 
overall, but ECU really looks like it'll be in the middle of the pack too. Potentially, I think they could get in the six range, maybe five, six, but they're going to have to win some some of these games against the top portion of the league like USF, Charlotte, even Memphis, et cetera. Yeah, and, and looking at that top bunch too, Florida Atlantic, Charlotte, UAB, North Texas, four of the top five teams just came over from Conference USA. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of one thing going into this year, knowing like baseball and basketball should be improved in conference play, and I think those CUSA teams are holding their own um, – in in the standings there no doubt let's get a break in we'll come back we will uh maybe talk a little bit more ecu basketball we'll also shift gears we both got our mlb team logos on today on our gear so we might have to talk some major league baseball the orioles are going to be uh sold we'll discuss that we got to talk nfl playoffs as well and uh two we're going to recap some of the Kaden Hauser interview from yesterday. If you're in the comments section on YouTube, Facebook, if you want us to talk about something or answer any questions, drop it there. We'll do it over the next hour. All right, this is Hoist the Colors on a Wednesday. We'll be right back. Climb aboard as we set sail and hoist the colors. Ah-har, back to the show with Steve and I go on 94.3 The Game. All right, welcome back in. Hoist the Colors on this Wednesday. We talked a, a lot of ECU basketball. We had a 20-minute East Carolina basketball segment. Uh, Jack Dover, by the way, does say that I, my reverse jinx was apparently the – I was talking about how bad the offense was playing. And, look, it was bad. So, I'm not going to take back my tweet. There, I, and, two, Bobby, I think they were some of the most egregious missed shots I've seen in a Division One basketball game. Like, yeah. I don't know if the ball was wet, but a lot of air balls by both teams. Yeah, it, and that game took forever. Like, yeah. I guess ESPN two is the reason there. Oh, was it? Because it was yeah, a national the, broadcast. The first half still only took thirty eight minutes. So we had the ten minute delay because of the SMU Wichita right. State game, whatever. And it still only took us thirty eight minutes to play the first half. The second half was abysmally slow, and yeah. then it went in overtime. Yeah, I almost had to take Dacre home. Like it, we were pushing seven thirty to go to yeah. bed. You know. Yeah, and then OT didn't help, and the fact I was trying to watch. Uh, Chiefs, Ravens, and other games in the press row. Yeah, you stink, ESPN. Yeah. Jack Dover says, when Ezra's play is in the flow of the offense, we are much better, especially when his head is up looking to pass. I agree. And Christian Bateman says, stop Kayshawn Pryor. He had some huge plays in the game against Memphis. Yeah, 6'10", who can play on the perimeter. Good good guy for uh, good guy to watch for the USF Bulls head into tonight's game. All right. Bobby, today brought to you by Basil's. Check them out. Basil's Restaurant and Pizzeria, 1675 East Fire Tower Road. Tremendous food options. Bobby, I know you guys have been on a little kick here with the fam, doing some takeout. And, yeah. Uh, the, good, the best thing about it is you can go salad, you can go calzones, you can go pizza. Like, it's just a great, you know, great We, we get a little bit of everything. Yeah, my, my son is obsessed with pizza. My wife is on a calzone kick. Um, I've flirted with the salads occasionally, but I'm also now on a calzone kick. So, And they got some pretty good subs, too. I know I've done a meatball sub from there. So, always good options. Basil's, again, 1675 East Fire Tower Road by the movie theater. Speaking of Basil's. <laughs> They supplied some pizza and grub for Caton Hauser a few weeks ago when he had a couple of the offensive linemen over to watch the NFL playoffs. We had an awesome interview with Caton Hauser, ECU quarterback, transferred by way of Michigan State yesterday. He was in studio for the whole hour. And, Philip, you were producing and didn't get the chance to get you on the air just because we were rolling. But what did you think of Caton and, uh, you know, just kind of your impression of the, the new quarterback? 
Yeah, I thought the interview was well. Very mature to be 19, right? 19. 19 years old. Uh, I thought he's driven. I think he is not arrogant. You know, he's he's very open with the fact that, you know, his, his career hasn't been perfect and that he's not, you know, perfect in any way. Some of the uh, off-the-air conversations we had let me know just how humble I think he is, but also the drive. You know, you asked him what his goal was, and he goes, well, What's the team record for touchdown passes in a year? Because I want to do one better than that. So, and you know, normally you don't want a guy that's too into personal goals, but when it's quarterback and it's throwing touchdowns, you know that personal goals are going to translate to wins. And so I think that he's driven, like I said, humble, nice kid. Seems like he's got a great work ethic. Uh, I hope the humidity doesn't get to him too bad when the summer comes. He said he's already suffering a little bit from that and from someone from the western half of the state. I thought, hey, it doesn't get more humid than this unless I go to Mississippi or Louisiana. Yeah, I was wrong. When I moved here, it was terrible. My mom thought I was crazy. She went for a run here one time and was like, oh, no, you're, you're not crazy. So um, hopefully Caton can adapt when it comes May and it gets a little hot out there on that grass. But uh, overall, no, really good kid. You're gonna, you know, really looking forward to uh, getting to know him better over the next, hopefully, what is three years as he's got three years of eligibility left and getting to see him play on the football field. No doubt. It really enjoyed having him in studio again thanks to team boneyard for that and yeah when he brought up the humidity i was just like man it's still january like wait till preseason camp brother dude sunday was rough it humidity was. wise i was doing yard work and i was like gosh it, it feels like you know summertime almost not temperature wise but humidity right. wise yeah and it's uh yeah those camp days you know as well as anybody bobby because you've been out there dude. coaching preseason camp like spring ball is, is isn't too bad I mean, there will be some warm days, but preseason camp in East North Carolina is a grind. Coaches, we went through three sets of clothes. Yeah. So that's that's just us, and we're not, you know, obviously we're pretty active during practice, but we're not going. I mean, we're not doing the workouts uh, uh, like they are doing, and and participating in practice to the extent with shoulder pads and you know helmets and all that stuff. And we went through three sets of clothes, and I mean, it was. Bless those equipment managers. I mean, they're <laughs> just running the laundry machines like, I mean, a ridiculous amount. All right. Christian Bateman says, I go with a good scouting report. There should be like a 94.3 college game day during college football and basketball season. Like basketball, imagine I go, Blue Edwards, Coach Mack, Michael Perry, and Sa Seymour. So what do you guys think? you think we can pull off college game day for ECU, USF? I'm down. We just got to talk to Hank about it. Run it by Hank. I'm down. I'll produce it. Yeah, and then he mentions football. A couple of people that I can't say on the air. Also, Bobby and I go. So uh, maybe we can work that out. I don't know I'd be think. all for it. I, I'm, I'd be happy to do it. Uh, that would be fun. Uh, I think we could definitely make it a fun show, and uh, there would be no shortage of um, – our our show on the wave air our airwaves excuse no me during tailgating just blasting in the parking lot pounding pirate <laughs> brews and and all sorts of different sh- drinks and beverages we'll just have to find a place to set up but yeah I mean we, wait we, was Joey football left off that list Joey football was left off that oh list. it was a good God list and that happened wow that's Darn. tough gotta add Joey football so we'll add Joey football and uh, I mean we did do the pregame show already up but uh, in front of Daddy Ficklin Stadium so we can just. I don't know, make it to where somebody's doing the headgear. Yeah. That way can we officially call it college game day. And that'll make it even more fun with, I mean, betting will be legalized at that point. So we could, I mean, legitimately be talking lines and allowing, you know, people to place bets. And I mean, yeah, it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, we could do our super dog picks like how they do on game day. Yeah. Pick against the spread, baby. 
Great idea, Christian. We'll see what we can do. We're running up the flagpole, and uh, as we're getting other comments here, some guy named Clipper Brock, unfamiliar with that that personality. Um, All right, so NFL guys, again, I didn't get a chance to really watch. I watched the end of Lions-Niners. You were probably in the same boat because you had your kid at the game, Bobby, but what would you make of the AFC-NFC Championship game from what you were able to follow? Yeah, disappointed in the Ravens' offensive performance. Um, it sounded like, I mean, it was a defensive slugfest. I just hate the Chiefs, honestly. Uh, I'm a big Andy Reid fan. I just really am not a fan of Patrick Mahomes. I'm over Travis Kelsey. I'm over everything that's associated with that. Um, the the one that, that really let me down was the Lions. Um, you know, Especially I, I, getting out to that big lead. Exactly, yeah. I, I mean, I'm a big Ben Johnson fan. I love what he does offensively. I mean, really, from an offensive perspective, that game in general with Kyle Shanahan and Ben Johnson was awesome to watch. Um, it also just kind of rubs it in as, you know, Christian McCaffrey, Steve Wilkes, Sam Darnold, all those guys getting to go to the Super Bowl, which I'm happy for. Trent Williams, good for him getting to go to the Super Bowl. So I am happy. For, I, I don't hate the 49ers. They got a lot of uh, players and, and personalities that I enjoy to follow. I just feel like the Niners, you know, I understand the Chiefs stuff. I have major Chiefs fatigue as a Broncos fan. I'm tired of it. I said last Friday they've ruined my Super Bowl Sunday. Just I can't even enjoy the game because I'm pulling so hard against the Chiefs. Um but what I don't know. I feel like people don't really like the Niners for some reason. It's just the fact that they're kind of boring, like colors and stuff. It's I think just they're weird. just a legacy team. And, yeah. uh, I mean, they're they've always been in. I mean, the last four four years, five years, they've been in the NFC Championship, yeah. like four of the five or whatever, three or four. So I mean. Recently, they've been good. They had a phase there where they sucked. Like, they were bad. Philip and I were talking about that the other day. Like, it's at least in my lifetime, and, you know, we're obviously around the same age. They've either been, like, really good or really bad. Like, not real in between. Like, they're almost like in the NFC Championship game or just, like, not even in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, they went to the championship – no, the Super Bowl with Harbaugh Mm -hmm. and and Kaepernick and then fell off – because that's the game the lights went out against the Ravens. Then just fell off the cliff – and I mean, their f- football, everything just went in the sewer. And then they brought in Sportsology, <laughs> David Tepper's best friend. It always comes back to Tepper. And now they've redone how they do their front office structure and obviously bring in John Lynch and, and Kyle Shanahan. And I mean, they've been a well oiled machine since then. After I think starting in year three, their first two years were rough, but year three, they've been pretty good. I you know what's like- an interesting hey, thing here, though? You know, we talk about them being a legacy team, and I'm not disagreeing with anything you guys are saying. They've been to a lot of championship games. This team, the last time they won a Super Bowl, Super Bowl 29. That was 29 years ago. They won five of the first 29. They actually won five in a 14-year span. They haven't won one since. That's it. Doesn't sound right, but it's true. So, yes, it is. There, it seems like they have been good a lot. They've been to two Super Bowls since then. Been to a lot of championship games. But at least they haven't been winning a lot, and I'm not like trying to just like stick up for the Niners. I'm just playing a devil's advocate here because I I'm not a huge Niners fan, but I do like a lot of the you know John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan, Purdy obviously run CMC. So I don't know, just a weird sidebar thought to kill time and interrupt I go because that's what I like to do. John John Lynch does. I feel like that doesn't get talked about enough, guys. Because didn't he go from like TV executive to GM, and he's kind of built like a powerhouse there. Like, yeah, nobody's even really. I, don't, I feel like that doesn't get enough 
coverage. I don't know, maybe just because they're in San Francisco. I also think what doesn't get enough coverage is how bad they missed on the Trey Lance trade. That is true, too. I mean, that was a massive trade to trade up to, what, number three, and then just completely bomb on that pick. never did anything for them. But because they've done everything else good, it's covered up. I mean, they're able to – not many – franchises are able to mask that big of a mistake and because i mean they're hitting on so many mid-round picks mm-hmm. you, you got that safety the linebacker kittle at receiver i mean at tight end excuse me and then i mean they're stepping in the other thing they're capitalizing on is those draft picks when their guys of minority get promoted as well so they've been stacking up third round picks which is allows them to make some of these trades all right we got to get another break in russ Asked, did we see Mahomes try to muck it up with uh, Tucker and warmups? Yes, we'll maybe touch on that on the other side. Uh, Philip could go on another rant as well. Uh, I had my eight <laughs> minutes of ranting on PJ's show on Monday. Go back and listen to it on the 94.3 The Game app. There you go. Uh, we'll touch on that. We'll touch on some MLB and talk some more sports. On the other side, this is Hoist the Colors on a Wednesday. The Pirates play here. Arr! This is Hoist the Colors Radio with Stephen Igo. Yes, that was so good. On 94.3, the game. All right, welcome back in. Hoist the Colors on this Wednesday. Bobby Howard is in studio. Philip Pilkington producing. Been a fun show thus far. I always kind of enjoy these shows, guys, where, you know, we did talk ECU basketball, but we kind of bounce all over the place. Uh, Dawson Haywood on Facebook says rigged. Dawson, I'm guessing you're talking about the NFL and the fact that the Chiefs and Taylor Swift are in the Super Bowl. I can't imagine what the viewership you know is going to be. He could, Dawson Haywood is a Bears fan. He's got the number one overall pick this year for my team winning two games. Shut up, Dawson. Dawson, you should be happy, man. Just yeah, fast forward Dal- through the offseason. Dawson, just go, go eat a cheeseburger and, and leave us alone. <laughs> wow, what's the beef with Dawson? He told me he told me he paid me five dollars to work the word cheeseburger into the show, so okay. that's what I did. So Venmo me five, Dawson. Russ Walker asked us, did we see Mahomes trying to muck it up with Justin Tucker and warm ups? I mean, yeah, it was all over social media, Russ. For me, not a surprise. Travis Kelsey is just kind of I mean, he's he's always been this persona, so he's just getting more spotlight because he's Dating Taylor Swift now. I mean, I've been annoyed by Travis Kelsey for a decade, and now the rest of America can join me. Now we're all getting exposed to it, huh? So what do you do? Do you just flip the... He kept moving. They kept, kept moving, moving the, the kicking tee and the ball. It's just uh, real douche moves by them, yeah. to be honest with you. I, I wish, because Tucker's such a good person, like, I wish he would have just boomed it right in, into one of their behinds. <laughs> Um, he even threw Tucker's helmet. Like yeah. he picked it. Yeah. Like Tucker said, "Hey, you know, like they asked me to move. I moved. I guess I didn't move far enough." And they came over and just started like, pretty much like terrorizing my equipment. I was wanting. I, you know, Bobby, to your point, it would have been cool to see him like him kick the ball and hit him. I was hoping he would kick a game winner and run over to the yeah. sidelines and do some obscene gesture that would get him fined or something. You know? I thought that for sure it could have happened. Yeah, it, what validates it even more is like former NFL players coming out like the kickers are supposed to get their kicks on both sides. They're, they're out there first warming up and they have the right to that area and that space. Like to hear other NFL players 
players validate that Kelsey and Mahomes are just continuing to douche it up. Like it, yeah. Well, the weird thing too is this wasn't pregame warmups. They didn't even have pads on yet. This was like an hour and a half before. This was like the the pre. This was like you're out there on your own time. Like they didn't need to. Yeah, they didn't need the or have the right to. Yeah, they they weren't even the whole team. There was no coaches out there or anything. Yeah. Again, not a fan of the Chiefs. Usually, it's because they just win a lot. But in that regard, not a fan of how they conducted themselves there. But ho- hopefully the Niners are due and they can beat him in the Super Bowl and make it that much more painful. All right, Bobby, I tell you what, before we talk Orioles and uh, maybe some Mariners just so I can talk about my favorite MLB team that nobody cares about, um, The how about the Lions? I thought that the, uh, the commanders were going to hire Ben Johnson. And how about him staying home? So who does it – any idea who the commander is going to hire now? Gosh. And he did that on, like, the commanders were mid-flight in Detroit, on the way to Detroit right. to interview him and Aaron Glenn. So, yeah, just a bad look on Ben Johnson's part. There's a few things that, like, first thought was, like, did he just not interview well? And he – or he felt like somebody else was going to get the job. From what I've read today, I don't know if it's true or not true, but I've seen he wanted – you know, offensive control of the roster or control of the offensive side. Um, and obviously Washington has a new GM. And then he wanted an egregious amount of money for a first-time head coach, uh, like upwards of $15 million, whereas the previous uh, record for first-time head coach was um, D'Amico Ryans in Houston at $10 million. So, yeah, it really puts them in a bad spot. I've been hoping for uh, Mike McDonald. Uh, from the Ravens, the defensive coordinator. But it's sounding like he's going to end up going to Seattle. So now Seattle's filling with uh, McDonald. Um, so that really leaves for them. Slowick's already said he's coming back to Houston. Like they're stuck with Weaver. I think it's maybe Anthony Weaver is his first name, but he's the D-line coach for the Ravens. Or Dan Quinn, which not really exciting either right. way. So, I mean – just yeah. want to look like the commanders were going to get a very good hire. And then <laughs> now they're going to end up with some random dude. And yeah, I was excited for the commanders and their fans because I felt like Ben Johnson was a good fit there, but clearly didn't work out. I always, you know, and for me, I'm sure the Lions will be good again next year, but like you almost have to jump when you're the hot name too, though. Right. His name has been quick. hot for two years yeah. now, and he's passed two years, which maybe – Maybe your guy Tepper is onto something there, Philip. Maybe he he was uh, just not such a bad guy after all, and and made the right decision to pass on him. I know everybody said last year Ben Johnson didn't want to work with Tepper, but maybe you know Tepper didn't want to work with Ben. Even a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and again. Let's not give Tepper too much credit. If you make on, enough, Bobby. if you make enough firings and decisions, you eventually get one right. I, I guess that's how it goes. I mean, I'm excited. I'm I'm getting on the Dave Canales train. I, I I'll I'll give it a chance. I mean, I do feel like all things considered, it's about as good as the Panthers could have done. Like, I mean, you to me, I'd rather do that than hire some retread and like you kind of know what you're getting. Like, I'd rather have Dave Canales and Dan Quinn. I mean, I feel like the chance of hitting a boom, yeah, there's also a high bus rate, but the chance of maybe hitting a boom and him being the right answer for uh, Bryce Young, I think, are, are also a possibility as well. Yeah, and when you break down Dan Quinn's record with Kyle Shanahan and without, like, Dan Quinn's record is not great without Kyle Shanahan. So, I mean, that was, I think, a massive part of his success in Atlanta. Um, I think the, the thing that gives me hope is up to this point, Dave Canales seems like has been able to make all the coaching staff hires that he wants. There's 
Tepper's two rats, Campen and and uh, Tabor, the special teams coordinator, out. He's filled out his offensive staff for the most part. They're all guys that he's worked with before. I think they're trying to retain Evero, but I think that is mutual. I think Canales wants to keep him as well. Don't blame Evero, but Evero, I think, kind of wants to get out of there. I mean, he's been passed on the head job twice. And really, in all honesty, the Panthers are going to be bad again next year. So, um, he, you know, he wants that head coaching gig. So, thankfully, I, so far, things have been done right, how they should have been done years ago. But what happens when they start 0-3 and, and does Tepper put his meatball head right back into things and, and start getting in the way again? Probably so. It's only a matter of time. So enjoy it while it lasts. But hey, at least you do have some little bit of little bit of upward momentum. A little bit of hope. Uh, Baltimore Orioles, uh, they are going to be sold. A lot of hope there. The Angelos, have, they haven't really what spent a bunch of money. So is is are Baltimore fans excited about this move? Very excited. I think it's kind of a double edged sword. Like. Excited for the potential of being able to actually spend money. Um, and what makes it so weird is John Angelos' dad, before he like his dementia got worse, and when he his dad was making the decisions, like you know they were around middle of the pack to kind of top middle uh, of the pack in, in terms of payroll. And then once John the son took over, it's just been I mean thirtieth. Yeah, I think they don't. I don't think they've surpassed twenty seventh in terms wow. of payroll. So there's optimism there because the new owner coming in, I think he's already going to be top eight in terms of wealthiest owners. Uh, the concern, though, and the one plus that Angelos had is he stayed out of everything baseball decision-wise. So literally it was Mike Elias and their whole crew making all the baseball decisions, which is how it should be. And obviously they're the, I mean, their farm system is ridiculous. You don't want loaded. another meddling owner for one of your favorite teams? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Gosh, that would just be my luck, though, is Rubenstein comes in and just is like, all right, I'm getting rid of the GM. Because, like, that's my fear. If they keep Mike Elias and literally Rubenstein just is the financial backing, you know, it, it could be set up pretty good, um, you know, with some of those. Not saying like the Dodgers and that kind of payroll, but at right. least they're, you know, maybe top 10 and, get, you know, funding into the payroll when they're in their competitive window. So that's the hope. And I hope Rubenstein with him being 74 is already just like old enough where he doesn't want to try to understand baseball. And you would think with just the upward trajectory of the entire system, they would leave the baseball operations side alone. But you never yeah. know with this stuff. I mean, you, you really don't. I mean, my hope is... You know, it, I think they have the meeting, the owners' meetings next week. If that gets approved, maybe they could sign like a Blake Snell. Not saying I want Snell to a long-term contract, but they need another starting pitcher, and maybe you can give him, you know, a two or three-year deal at, at 25, 30, you know, between 30, 35 AV and, and, and try to at least solidify a starting pitcher for the next few years. And thus far, the only big move they've made is Craig Kimbrell. Yeah, one year, $13 million. And Connor Norby still banging on the the, uh, the 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 ceiling. Unfortunately, the O's are just so deep. He's the, what the I think number seven second base prospect in baseball. But it, I think he'll be up one way or another by the by some yeah. Point he, he should get a, a forty man spot and be up on and somebody's roster, whether it's via trade or with the Orioles and and, and whatnot. And you know. He's crushing the ball, man. I mean, he had a monster year at AAA, so he yeah. deserves it. He does. He does. And hopefully, he'll. He, I imagine he's going to be in big league camp for a while. Yeah. Now, granted, 
because of Masson and the the great TV studio that it is, they televise like one spring training game a year, so we won't really get to see much. But um, the, another plus of the purchase, Rubenstein has taken over Masson, so maybe that helps. Go. I mean, it kind of sucks when you live two states away and you're blacked out from the games, but it is what it is, Major League Baseball. No doubt. And uh, let's get our final break in. We'll come back. We'll wrap up the show. I'll tell you that... I'm thinking about going to cover my first ever American Athletic Conference road basketball game this weekend. So we'll discuss that. Hoist the Colors on a Wednesday. Back to Hoist the Colors with Stephen Iko. Think of me, Aussie Joe. 194.3, the game. All right, welcome back in. Hoist the Colors. Think about three minutes left. So East Carolina plays Charlotte on Saturday. Again, big game tonight, South Florida. We'll touch on the games here in a little bit for the American tonight. So, guys, ECU has been the American since 2014. I've never covered an East Carolina men's basketball conference game on the road. I've never been to the conference tournament because they're always, like, the last seed, and they usually don't win a game. And they're in Dallas. And they're in Texas. So, it's like there's no point in going. I would like to go. Uh, It's actually not a bad flight. But uh, either way – we are going, and you're going too as well, Phillips, Saturday to Halton Arena for 94 through the game, and uh, we'll be there for Hoist the Colors. So it'll be weird to cover a road basketball conference game. Yeah, it will. But, you know, the weird thing is, you know, you bring it up that it hasn't happened. Well, the closest road game's been Philly. So yeah. this is the one that's truthfully the only place you could do a day trip out of it. And it's still pretty far. I still think you and Kaysen should hang out Saturday night with Scooter and I, but, you know, you're going to drive back. I get it. <laughs> Be a dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, you know, when I told the wife I was going, she was like, is that really necessary? It's just ECU basketball, which is part of the problem with the perception of the program because it's been down – for so long, but uh, I'm like, yeah, they're playing pretty well. This is a, you know, I, I want to go. I would, I enjoy going to UNC Wilmington last year. Like that was my first time watching ECU play at Wilmington. Yeah, ECU didn't play well, but it's cool to experience other venues. Like I've, I've covered ECU at Duke. I've covered ECU at UNC in basketball. It was fun, and uh, it sounds like Charlotte is going to be camping out. Their students are going to camp out for this game. So uh, I guess it's going to be a pretty raucous atmosphere, guys. Sounds like it would be fun, at least. I, I mean, hopefully the game is close. I know Charlotte's had a good year. Uh, it would be freaking awesome to upset them it after, would be great. Uh, you know, camping out the night before. And, and I think they have the feeling like they're going to kind of smoke us pretty good in basketball and get some bragging rights back after that abysmal performance on the football oh field. Uh, yeah, somebody said, well, would, would a win in basketball make up for the loss in football? And No. It would not, but it would help because that football game was one of the most embarrassing things I've covered. I still can't believe we lost that game. So I think a win, a sweep in basketball, a sweep in baseball, and then an annihilation next football (laughs) season in in Charlotte will make up for it. Yeah. Hey, the one thing I want to see is Pirate Nation show out because historically there are a lot of Pirate fans in the Charlotte area. We went there a couple years ago in baseball. There was a lot of people there, and uh, I knew a lot of people growing up that went to ECU, so hopefully there'll be a lot of purple and gold on Saturday. Let's hope so. 2 o'clock tip-off on Saturday. We'll preview that game more on Friday's show. Tonight we got South Florida, East Carolina hosting the Bulls. That'll be a 7 o'clock tip-off. And then you also got Wichita, Tulsa, Rice, Memphis, and UAB, North Texas going at it in the American. All right. Appreciate it, Bobby. Good stuff, man. Yep. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And for Philip and Bobby, I'm Stephen Igo. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Softball coach Shane Winkler in studio. See you then. 
This has been Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo. Tune in weekdays.